You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Thomas. As has been said before, I'm part of the team here at Manchester Vineyard. And yeah, it's really so great to have you here this morning with us. So um, I want to start today by asking you a question. Uh, what is the best gift that you have ever received? Uh, just think for a moment of a really, really great gift in your life. And I'm sure for some of you, it will be maybe you're thinking about a trip somewhere or you know, maybe did any of you manage to get Taylor Swift tickets? That would be a, that would be a good gift, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Any hands? No. Um, maybe the gift is something sentimental, maybe something that has been in the family that you have received from someone special, something your child has made for you. Maybe the best gift is actually a person, and it's your friendships, your family, your parents, your spouse, your children. When I think of my best gift, of course, I think about my wife and daughter, but let me tell you about this scooter. There was this one year that I was super excited to get this scooter for Christmas. It wasn't last year, by the way, it was quite a bit far back. Um, but because my birthday's in December, my parents decided this was going to be a joint present for Christmas and birthday. Um, I know, gutting anyone else in December birthdays? Yeah, a few hands. Um, but I didn't mind because I really wanted to get this scooter. And I've been thinking about it for months. I'd seen the picture of one that I wanted and I actually cut out that piece of the magazine, kept it by my bed. Uh, and every night it was just by my bed, just to show my parents that I was serious about wanting this gift and it wasn't a whim. And as you can imagine, I was over the moon when I did actually indeed get that scooter that year as a gift. Best present. Um, sorry, honey. Um, today we're going to talk about a lot of, we're going to talk a lot about gifts actually. So we're going to talk about what I think is the greatest gift. One that is the greatest gift we can actually ever have, even better than my scooter. And in particular, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. And also, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us as followers of Jesus. I'll say that again. So there's two categories. Number one is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is a gift himself to us. And also the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. So this means that the Holy Spirit is both gift himself and the giver of gifts. So we are going to unpack this a little bit more this morning together. So first we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as a gift himself. And if you'd like to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, we're going to start there. Because after Jesus' death and resurrection, we see here the account written by Luke, the author of the book of Acts, saying that Jesus presented himself to, this, to the disciples and was giving proof that he was alive. And it is at this point in chapter 1, verse 4, that we hear about the Holy Spirit as an anticipated gift from the Father. We read from verse 4, and I'll just have it here with me. So chapter 1, verse 4, we're going to continue up to verse 8. So it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said, that, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now let's just highlight here the section of verses 4 and 5 in our minds for a minute. Jesus says, wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then he ends by saying that in a few days, the disciples will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples had already heard Jesus talk about the gift from the Father. And he reiterates that the gift is the Holy Spirit. The gift they're about to receive is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that in a few days, they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is Luke's way of teeing us up. He is preparing us as we read and as we read to expect the Holy Spirit to make an appearance in the story. And surely enough, we don't actually have to wait that long. We see in chapter 2 of Acts that the Holy Spirit filled the disciples while they were gathered together in Jerusalem during the festival of Pentecost. So we read in chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 1, right up to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing or a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now what an amazing thing, right? Even the disciples, even if they were expecting to receive the Holy Spirit, expecting to receive this gift, I'm not sure that this is what they had in mind when they wondered what it would be like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it's hard to know exactly what happened here from the description. Violent winds, tongues of fire, it sounds jaw-dropping and hard to imagine, but let's focus on the consequence of the Holy Spirit filling the disciples. Here we see the disciples all speaking different tongues, which means they were speaking in different languages that they did not know. Everyone around them hears them speak in these languages, and each of them recognize their own mother tongue being spoken. Now, some of you may not know this, but I was born in Spain, and I'm fluent in Spanish, so I can resonate with this story to a degree. If I'm out and about and I hear someone speaking Spanish, even if it's in the distant, what distance, while I'm in England, my ears always just prick up, and I know the sounds and the words, and they, they usually... You know, they seem to just stand out in a crowd, even in a noisy environment. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, if you've been abroad and you, in a place that we don't speak English, uh, and you latch on immediately. If you hear someone speaking English, like just, it just seems to resonate and you're drawn to it when we hear that language that we recognize being spoken. Now imagine that, but with multiple languages being spoken at the same time and everyone hearing their own language. And it's worth noting the, the timing of this, actually, because during Pentecost, Jews from all over the place would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate that festival. And these Jews likely would have spoken Hebrew, of course, but these are people who have been living outside of Israel for generations and therefore would have also spoken their own language from wherever it was that they traveled from. And the list of places that they have come from is found in verses 9, 10, and 11. And it says in verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So the Spirit had fallen. People were talking in different languages. And people around the disciples recognized those languages as their own. 
And as a result, we're hearing amazing things about God. The crowd was understandably confused by the scene. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And we could ask ourselves the same question, right? What is the reason for speaking in all these languages? What's going on here? Why is it significant that all these languages are being spoken at this one time? The sharing of the wonders of God in many languages points us to the fact that it is not an exclusive club anymore. It's not just for one nation. It's not one people group. It's not one language. It's all languages. And the fact that God's wonders were being spoken in multiple languages shows that God wants to reveal himself and give the gift of the Holy Spirit to all from any nation and people group. It's amazing. When the gift of the Holy Spirit is given, it's not only for a few, but for all people. And this passage goes on to show how the Holy Spirit is a gift which is not earned. It's not given through merit or our own effort. Peter, one of the disciples, gets up with the rest of the disciples to address the, the crowd who are obviously still confused, so he needs to clear some stuff up. And he explains that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all people, and he shares the good news of Jesus with them. The crowd then asks Peter what they should do. And Peter replied in verse 38, we're still in chapter 2 if you want to follow on. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit is not earned. That it's a gift we receive from God when we put our trust in Jesus as our Savior. We put our faith in Jesus and we receive that gift. And amazingly, that day, 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus as their Lord and received the, that amazing gift from God. They accepted that all they had to do was call on the name of the Lord, call on the name of Jesus to be saved and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, what does this mean for us? Well, firstly, I think it means that we need to know that the Holy Spirit is a gift for everyone. It's for old and young, men, women, from all walks of life, every nation. There is no exception. Don't think that you are not able to receive the Holy Spirit. Nothing excludes you from receiving this gift. But you do, not need to, but you do need to receive it, sorry, like you do any gift. When someone gives you a gift, you need to accept it to receive it. And therefore, you trust the person who is the giver of that gift. So secondly, receiving the Holy Spirit involves putting your trust in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you've done that, great, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, but maybe you haven't done this yet, and maybe you haven't put your trust in Jesus, and, and today could be that day that you decide to put your trust in him and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Father wants to give you. Thirdly, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift that is not earned. As I said earlier, we don't count ourselves out for, of being able to receive this, this stuff, uh, this, this gift, because of stuff that we've done or not done. We don't count ourselves out for that, for that reason. We trust Jesus. We receive the gift. And it's not because we're good enough, but it's all thanks to God's generous grace and mercy that we can receive his spirit so the gift can be received by anyone no matter your past present or future mess ups 
And lastly, the Holy Spirit is a really, really good gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift to enjoy and be grateful for. The Spirit is actually God's presence with us, made possible through Jesus. Thanks to the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us, we are able to enjoy in communion and closeness with God in a way unlike any before. Right, so we know that the Holy Spirit is a gift himself and that we cannot earn it. God pours out his spirit on everyone who trusts him. But what happens next? You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit has some practical outworkings, things that are visible and noticeable to those around us. These things are the natural effect of the Spirit. And imagine, it's like when you add heat to water, it bubbles up and boils. When you ignite a fire, you feel the heat. You see the light coming from the flames. And when the wind blows, you can see the movement of the leaves and branches as they move. It's a natural effect, a cause and effect, a reaction to a previous action. And when it comes to receiving and being filled by the Holy Spirit, this is no different. If the Holy Spirit is being poured out on people, and that is the cause, then the effect is the fruit of the Spirit. In the letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And many of you might know these off by heart, because if you've grown up as a Christian, it's one we like to teach our children. So Galatians 5, verses 22, 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to go through these in a little bit. Many of you will have heard these characteristics listed here before, uh, and Paul mentions these to the Galatians, and these, char these characteristics, these traits, are natural consequences and the natural effect in one's life after receiving the Holy Spirit. They're the visible signs of the transformation that has happened on the inside. And it is what we expect to see in one another as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And if we don't physically see the Holy Spirit, we do see the effect that the Holy Spirit has on the lives of those who have received this gift of the Spirit. Now, one detail about the fruit of the Spirit that I learned while writing this talk is that the Greek, in the Greek language, the original language this was written in, that Paul was writing in, the fruit is actually a singular word. So it's one fruit, not fruits of the Spirit, but fruit of the Spirit, which is interesting. And I feel like I can't be the only one who thought it was multiple fruits, right? Please tell me I'm not alone. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it changes things when it's one single fruit. If we read it as multiple fruits, then it could easily, we, we could be forgiven for thinking, oh, well, I'm just better at one fruit than the other. We might say, I can see the Spirit working within my life, causing me to be patient and more loving, but I don't think gentleness and self-control are really for me. Or the Spirit makes me joyful and peaceful, but not kind or good, and it doesn't work this way. It is one fruit, one fruit of the Spirit, all in one. So even if we might find some of those characteristics naturally easier than others, we need to fight that mentality that we have one without the other. The spirit within us naturally will cause these characteristics to grow in our lives without exception of one over the other. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are suddenly able to produce these godly characteristics which are so evident in the person of Jesus. And remember, this is a natural cause and effect. 
If we go through each of them right now, you will see what an incredible effect it can have if we receive the Holy Spirit. So firstly, when we receive the Spirit and reflect God's character in showing love to others, not just the kind of love for people that you like and get along with, but this is God's love. This is the kind of love that gave everything for others, to serve others, even those who are against you. Next, we have joy. Joy in God's salvation. Joy about the good things that God gives us according to his will and purpose. We have peace knowing that we have been reconciled with God, that we are able to have a relationship, a relationship with him. There is no barrier anymore. There's freedom to approach God, and there's peace in, the circumstance, in our circumstances as we know God reigns. With the Holy Spirit, we are able to be patient as we follow God's plan and trust his timing rather than our own timing. Our disposition is one of kindness and goodness towards others, showing generosity to those in need, being compassionate and working for the benefit of, of others, in essence, becoming more servant-hearted. We also naturally become more faithful as the Spirit enables, uh, enables us to be consistent in doing the things that we say we will do. Receiving the Holy Spirit makes us gentle, this is a characteristic which Jesus attributes to himself. It's the ability to pour water and take the sting out of situations instead of stirring up conflict and being incendiary. Gentleness opposes anger and often is shown in the way that we interact with others in our words and our actions. And lastly, the Holy Spirit grows in us self-control which allows us to resist the things that are not the desires of the Spirit. Now, my wife, Hetel, has a, a friend who she invited to do uh, Alpha, uh, the Alpha course with not long after she had become a Christian herself. And a few weeks into the course, they were, talking, they were walking out together, and Hetel asked her friend, why did they agree to do the course? And apparently they said something along the lines of, Hetel, since you've become a Christian, you have become the most loving and kindest friend I have. Their reply evidenced the fruit of the Spirit that had grown within Hetel's life since she had become a Christian. And I have definitely seen the fruit, of, the fruit of the Spirit grow in my own life over time, but it's been a process. As the Spirit transforms from within, we see these characteristics become more and more prominent. In the past, there have been times where I have not felt at peace with God's plan, not been able to love certain people or struggled to have self-control. But the Spirit kept working in the background consistently and faithfully chipping away at the things that get in the way. Over time, I can now say that I am able to trust God more fully with his timing and his plan. I'm able to love those who are harder to love, those who might not reciprocate. I have noticed that it's easier to have self-control over my thoughts, my words, and where before I might have said things that are hurtful or allowed my thoughts to wander to unhealthy places. And please don't hear this as coming from a place of me having all this nailed down that's not the case I'm not all sorted but the fruit of the spirit is something that grows within us and there is still a lot of growing that needs to happen in my own life I acknowledge that I may have my ups my downs 
but I know that the fruit of the Spirit ultimately will come to the surface as a natural product of the gift of the Holy Spirit in my own life. So if you have put your faith in Jesus and you are struggling to see any of these fruits in your life, please don't be disheartened. Don't be discouraged. My intention here is to encourage you that these things are the things that will you will see grow in your life. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he continues to fill us and work within us to bring out the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, sorry. <laughs> Caught myself there. It's, a, it's through ongoing relationship with the Spirit that he works within us. And this transformation that happens in the life of a follower of Jesus, of Jesus sometimes happens quickly, sometimes happens over time. But the promise is that the fruit will come as we continue to receive from the Holy Spirit day after day. And, and there is an acknowledgement here to be made that we're in a battle when it comes to showcasing the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul acknowledges as much. He says that not only the Spirit is at work in our lives, but also our flesh gets in the way. And our flesh refers to the part of us which is prone to sin. And its desires are not godly, but can lead to greed or anger, for example. But the letter to the Galatians encourages us by saying that we are called to be free, but we are called to be free, but that we shouldn't use this freedom to indulge the flesh. We are warned not to listen to the desires of the flesh and instead listen and be led by the Spirit. The Spirit is stronger, stronger than any desire of the flesh. And through cooperating with the Spirit, we are able to resist the desires of the flesh and instead serve one another in love. Our task is to keep in step with the Spirit, to be guided and led by him. So the fruit of the Spirit is what should come from having the Holy Spirit living within us. And as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And the natural outworking of this is that we start to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We become more loving, we become more joyful, peaceful, patient, good, kind, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. And this is all just a natural outworking of the Spirit in our lives. And my hope, actually, is that you've seen this at work already in your own life and in the li life and in the lives of those around you who know Jesus. If there's an area that you're struggling with, then God wants to help you and can help you through the power of the Spirit. All we need to do is turn to help. There'll be a moment later in ministry where we can respond to the Holy Spirit say yes and cooperate with him and the, cooperate with the fruit of the spirit that he wants to draw out in our lives. And it's never too late. There's no personality trait, there's no characteristic that you have which is too strong or too far gone to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all this sums up to us being more effective in witnesses, witnessing Jesus. In Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, we read earlier that Jesus said that the disciples would be his witnesses once they received the Holy Spirit. What we see is that when someone receives the Holy Spirit, they naturally start displaying 
godly traits and characteristics which point towards Jesus and what he is like. And alongside displaying Jesus to others, witnessing also involves speaking about what we've seen and heard and experienced about Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us and emboldens us to share. So by receiving the Spirit, we become powerful witnesses to Jesus, which enables more people to know and to receive him. So just to recap, we've spoken about the Holy Spirit as a gift to us and that his gift of himself is freely given. God has poured out his Spirit on all people and we have access to God in a way like never before. The effect of the Spirit that the Spirit has on those who receive him is the fruit of the Spirit, which is the natural consequence of the Spirit living within us and transforms and leads us. And all this enables us to be effective witnesses to Jesus, to point others towards him and show people what he is like. Now I want to focus on something called the gifts of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is himself a gift and he is given to us himself and he transforms our lives from within, but it doesn't stop there. In Acts 1.8, we read again, Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we believe that the gifts of the Spirit empower all believers to do the work of God here on earth. This is what happened to the disciples when they started speaking in many languages. It was a gift from the Spirit working through them to spread the wonders of God to all who were there. We read about the empowering gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 to 11. So I'll just read that out here. So 1 Corinthians 4, 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through, a spirit, through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we have in the letter of the, uh, in the first letter of the Corinthians, a list of just some of the gifts of the spirit mentions wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of said tongues. And this isn't an exhaustive list, I should add. Uh, in other parts of the Bible, there are other gifts mentioned like serving, mercy, generosity, compassion, teaching, encouragement, all wonderful things. All these gifts are different but they serve the same purpose. Verse 7 says, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. And all these are amazing gifts. They're supernatural gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us for the good of others, to build people up, to point people towards Jesus, to share his good news. Another way of thinking about the gifts of the, the Spirit is this. 
John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said that the kingdom is about doing just as much as teaching. If you aren't doing the works of the kingdom, the message isn't complete. I pray the vineyard never stops taking the risks of the kingdom. And this is exactly what the gifts are about. They are active ways to extend God's kingdom by serving those around us. The gospel that is the good news that Jesus died and rose from the dead for us to be reconciled with God isn't just something to be talked about, isn't just something to be taught. It is something to be lived out in our lives through works of the kingdom. And this is why John Wimber can say in his quote that the message is actually incomplete without the doing. Spiritual gifts are the, the doing the stuff of the kingdom. We are, they are the way that we love and serve others in need, showing God's care for people through healing, through words of encouragement, through generosity, wise counsel, spiritual freedom, prophecy, compassion, the list goes on. All these things are gifts of the Spirit that he gives us to extend God's kingdom. And here is what's even more amazing. We all, we all get to partake in this. The passage says in verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one, to everyone, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And the vineyard we call this, we all get to play. Everyone gets to play, meaning that none of us are left out of practicing the gifts of the Spirit. We all have a role and a part to play using the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. In the vineyard, we also believe that the Holy Spirit is able to empower any of us at any moment using the gift of healing, for example, or any other gift of the Spirit. And we might find ourselves praying for someone here on a Sunday as they ask for prayer for healing. We may have never prayed for healing before, but the Holy Spirit can still empower us in that moment to heal. It's not on us. And it's incredible. Any of those gifts are available to us at any given moment. But we also believe that the Spirit has uniquely given particular gifts for us to steward. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You may not know it yet, but God has given you a gift. By his Spirit, he has given you one, probably more than one, a couple of gifts, <laughs> that are long-term gifts, gifts which you are uniquely placed to use for the good of others to serve others. No one else is equipped in the same way that you are to use that gift that God has given you. No one else is in your exact same circumstance. No one else has the same reach that you have in your own context. So there's momentary, momentary empowerings and stewardship of long-term gifts as well. And this is so important to know because the gifts are available to us at all times, sometimes in different measures. We can't count ourselves out. So the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts sometimes momentarily, sometimes in the long term, but we have to recognize that it's our responsibility to put them to use. It's on us. Think of it this way. I'll tell a little story. Hetel and I decided a few years back to use some Amazon gift vouchers that we had saved up to buy ourselves a gift of a vacuum cleaner. 
I know how that sounds. You're probably thinking the Nelson household has reached that point in their lives where Amazon gift vouchers are not used for fun things anymore. <laughs> things that are necessary, but not necessarily fun. But let me tell you, I was excited about this Hoover, okay? You see, I'd put up with our old Hoover for years. It was a second-hand Hoover. It did the job, but it was not a powerful one. And it would take me twice as long to Hoover anything up from the carpet. Hours of my life I will not get back, I'm sorry to say. And to any of you who have people in your household with long or longer hair, you know how long Hoovering can take. We were fortunate enough to have a fairly forgiving color carpet, but the hair just seemed never ending. And whenever I tried to complain to Hettel about her hair, it was hers, by the way, if you haven't realized <laughs> this wasn't evident, she would readily tell me that it wasn't only her hair that was falling out. Touche. <laughs> anyway, you can imagine I was excited about getting a new powerful vacuum, so we got this shark hoover. Sounds almost manly, right? And let me tell you, it was like night and day. And don't worry, I'm moving on now from uh, to get to the point of this analogy because I'll get too distracted in telling you how amazing this vacuum really is. I still love it. Um, the point is, we had the shark vacuum that we had gifted ourselves, but we had to use it. The house wasn't going to hoover itself. We had to use it to get an effect. Just under the stairs, it wasn't going to clean the house. It wasn't going to get rid of that layer of hair that we have on our carpet. And we have to get it out and use it. The gifts of the Spirit are kind of the same. We have these gifts and we need to put them to use in, you know, to enjoy their effect. We learned earlier that the fruit grows and is a natural consequence of the Spirit li living within us. And the gifts are giving the gifts are given to us too, but to use the gifts, we have a choice to make. We have a decision that we need to make every day to put that into practice. And this requires effort on our behalf, not quite in the same way as the fruit of the Spirit that just grows within us naturally. So, not only do we need to use the gifts, but we can actually develop them. We can nurture and steward the gifts so that they are most effective. And we do this by simply putting the gifts into practice, getting it out from under the stairs and using it, by stepping out in faith, trying, trying it out, relying on the promise that the Holy Spirit is with us and he is empowering us to do God's work. And this is a key aspect of the gifts of the Spirit. They require us to put effort in, to play our part. There is an intentionality, but this doesn't mean that we do it alone. We cooperate with God while we're doing this. The Holy Spirit is with us, and he is the one who empowers us when we use those gifts in the first place. Dallas Willard, an American philosopher who is known for his writings in Christian spiritual development, spiritual formation, sorry, said this, a discipline for the spiritual life is nothing but an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. And I, I love this idea of cooperating with Jesus in extending his kingdom. When we put our spiritual gifts into practice by praying for healing, by prophesying, by saying a word of encouragement, by sharing a word of knowledge to someone, when we serve others, when we are generous or show compassion, we are partnering with the Holy Spirit. We take the step to make that decision 
but it is the use to use the the gift but it's actually the holy spirit who empower empowers us for it to be effective and actually you'll find that the more that we use the gifts the easier it gets it is said that to become an expert you have to invest what is it like 10,000 hours in practicing and training and, and it is actually possible to become an expert. It takes time, but it gets easier the more times we give things a go. Quite a few years ago, I, I signed up for a, a half marathon. I'm not fit enough to do a full one. Um, I knew that if I wanted to finish the race well, I would have to put effort in. I'd have to train beforehand to build up strength. It required me to run a little longer every time, a little further every time, stretching my capacity little by little. And this took time and effort in the lead up to running the half marathon, but it meant that I was actually able to complete it in the time that I'd given myself as a target. And in the same way, I wouldn't expect myself to be able to comfortably do a half marathon without putting in the effort and running on a regular basis. And in, in the same way as I don't expect that to happen, I don't expect our spiritual gifts to be flawless without putting them into practice, without putting in the effort. The more we use them, the easier it gets. And this is a good thing. This is something that we want to aim for because using the gifts, remember, can make such a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. So to show how much of a difference using the gifts of the Spirit can make in someone's life. I want to share with you a, a moment in my own life where I actually, I actually benefited from someone sharing with me and stepping out in faith in the gift of prophecy. I had just finished my nursing degree in Spain, and where, that's where I grew up, and I was at a Christian summer festival for young adults, and one of the evenings there was a call to the front to anyone who wanted to put into practice the gift of prophecy. And there was also an invitation for any of those of us who wanted to receive prophetic words to come forward to. So I went ahead and after a few minutes, this guy comes up to me and I'd never met this guy before. And he asked me this question. He said, have you ever thought about moving abroad to work? So I said, maybe sometime in the future, I might go abroad to work, yes. I mean, I, sp I speak both English and Spanish. Kind of makes sense that it could definitely be a possibility. Now, I think at this point, he must have been emboldened by the fact that I hadn't fobbed him off by this point. So he went further to say that I wouldn't actually get a job in Spain, but that God had something prepared for me abroad. And, and by this point, the guy was more certain of this than I was. Um, he, I'm surely thinking, you know, surely I'll be able to find a job. So I didn't dismiss the word, but I definitely put it on the back burner. And we fast forward a few months from this point, and I'd pretty much forgotten the interaction, if I'm honest. I was at home giving English lessons, English conversation lessons to, to people, so I hadn't actually found a job as a nurse at this point since that conversation. And Christmas that year, my, my uncle, who's a Christian himself, called on the phone and I assumed he wanted to you know wish the family a Merry Christmas Happy New Year the, the the standard but he said oh can I speak to Thomas and I thought well that's strange um, turns out he had felt the Lord say to him to offer me an opportunity to work in, in the UK so he wanted to ask if I'd considered working 
in England and that he and my aunt would be happy to have me stay with them uh, at theirs rent-free until finding a job and getting my feet. Finding my feet, getting a job. Yeah. <laughs> Not getting my feet, I had those. Um, at, at that point, my mind went straight back to that conversation that I'd had a few months earlier with that random guy, never met again before, since, uh, never met since that point, that guy who prophesied that word for me about going abroad. And I actually pretty much didn't even have to think about it or consider whether going or not. It was, I, was, I was certain that it was the right thing. And I remember my uncle actually being a bit taken aback by how quickly I'd made my mind up. Um, but yeah, after a few months of paperwork, getting registered as a nurse here in the UK, I made that move abroad. And now I look back at all that has happened and stemmed from that one word that encouraged me at the right time to make that move. And I am amazed. I don't think I would have come to the UK had it not been for that word that reassured me and gave me peace when, that, when making such a life-changing decision. And this story has been such an encouragement in my own life that God guides us and cares for us, for us. It has also given me confidence to share words myself of prophecy to others because I know that God can speak through us today. God uses ordinary people like you and I who are willing to step out and use the gifts of the Spirit to serve others and extend his kingdom. And we can all give this a go. The gifts of the Spirit are not limited to a few professionals, but all of us can do the stuff of the kingdom, so to speak. So you can indeed ask for wisdom. You can ask for faith, knowledge. You can step out and pray for healing or ask the Holy Spirit for a word of encouragement or prophecy for someone. You can practice loving those on the margins, being generous with what God has given you, serving others' needs before your own. And the effect this can have on others around you is immense. This is literally how we bring the kingdom of God into our context here on earth. We invite the Holy Spirit and use the gifts that he gives us to bring transformation. So my encouragement for you today is to know that you have the Holy Spirit and he has gifted you. He gifts you both momentarily and in the longer term. And to get serious about using the gifts, I encourage you to learn about them, to spend time practicing the gifts of the Spirit. They are incredible and can change lives. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could incorporate the gifts of the Spirit in our day-to-day -day so that we can see more of God's kingdom, that we could see more God in action on a daily basis. So just to recap, and we're finishing here, firstly, we have seen today that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift when we believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit grows the fruit of the Spirit in us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers us by giving us gifts gifts that have the purpose to serve others and extending God's kingdom. And these gifts are for everyone. We all get to play, we all get to partner with the Holy Spirit in what he's doing by using them and putting them into practice. So if you're able, let's stand and we'll just spend some time in prayer.
uh, just encourage you to focus right now on, on, on the Holy Spirit. Just, I'm sure he will have been speaking to you throughout this morning, through the worship, through the talk. He wants to reveal himself to you in greater and deeper ways this morning. So yeah, Thomas has spoken a lot about it, but let's just welcome the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Spirit, have your way amongst us this morning. A member of the prayer team had a word this morning that um, that God is wanting to speak to us about being free for a purpose, being set free for the kingdom, for for living a life, for doing good deeds, for living for Him. So there may be people here today that have struggled with that sense of purpose, have struggled to know their kingdom value, have struggled to know what what Jesus wants for them and for their families, for, the, for everything that they put their hand to. Yeah, I think today the invitation is to just receive and hear with more clarity and to know with um, greater assurance your purpose. And also gave me a sense that um, to people in the room that um, when they heard about the fruit of the Spirit, um, they'd kind of dismissed themselves over a certain fruit. They kind of dismissed themselves over a certain thing in that list. That's just my personality. I've just been stuck in that for a long time. I felt um, the Lord, the Spirit, wanted to come today and um, just give you fresh hope and move again as you cooperate with Him in whatever whatever one that might have been, self-control, joy, love, whatever it is, the Spirit wanted to move. Yeah, I believe as well that there will be maybe a number of us today here this morning that maybe you've been desiring more of the gifts of the Spirit for a while maybe. And this could be an invitation this morning to, to, to receive that gift. Yeah, it says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should eagerly desire the gift. So it's something, it's something that we can come to the Lord with. If we want more gifts of the Spirit, we can just ask. And with that, maybe as well, a, a desire to, to steward those gifts. Maybe you've actually acknowledged that you have a certain gift, but you just want wisdom. You want God's help to steward that well. And in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to, to, to share with one another, to put into practice the gifts of the Spirit while we 
pray for one another. But before that, I just wanted to extend a, an invitation this morning to anyone who wants to receive the Holy Spirit, maybe for the first time. Maybe you feel that you've, you've not received this gift of the presence of God from the Father. And the Father is, is always wanting to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. There was that word in worship as well about not holding anything back. Um, our response to Jesus is to give him everything. So there might be something that you know that as you sang those words in worship that yeah, you know there's something you're holding back from God. And now is an amazing time just to hand that over to him. So there's been a, a number of words this morning and I'm sure the spirit has been stirring in you um, throughout this whole morning. So if any of those words resonate, if you'd just like prayer for something, um, we just encourage you to start coming up to the sides and to the front. We would love to, to pray for you, um, yeah, for the Holy Spirit to meet you. And as people are coming up, if, um, if you'd like to join them in prayer, we just ask for girls to pray for girls and boys to pray for boys and um, to come up to pray for others if you're... Um, in, in one of the small groups in the life of the church. And this is a fantastic opportunity for us to just start practicing in the gifts of the Spirit as well. To take a risk, to take a prophetic word, to, to pray for healing, to whatever it might be. Yeah, there's a number of people waiting in the front and the sides, and it's not too late to come up and to receive prayer. Just to add, I think there, I feel like there's someone here who is maybe experiencing some, some pain in in your in your jaw and if that's if that's you we'd love to pray for you this morning so the worship team are just going to play a song in the background but um the holy spirit is clearly moving through the room it's never too late to respond or to nudge the person next to you to pray for you as well Find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.